What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, August 30th, 2021, and this week's episode, Paul rolls on and Till returns. We'll be talking about a very loaded week in MMA and combat sports in general. Jake Paul taking on Tyron Woodley and getting the W, Giga Chikadze, winning against Edson Barbosa at UFC Vegas 35, and we'll talk about the latest chatter around town, what's going on with Stipe Miocic, PFL being preempted by high school football, the rebooking of Amanda Nunes against Juliana Pena, and more. And finally, we'll cap off this week's episode. We'll be talking about UFC Vegas 36 and the middleweight bout between Darren Till and Derek Brunson. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G. Do you, are you happy that the uh, Paul Woodley fight is over? Are you happy that you don't have to talk about a new fight for a while? Oh, actually, we don't know. How do you feel about this? You know, uh, if I'm being quite honest with you, I am a little disappointed because I thought we were going to get a lot more action out of the main event. And so the fact that we're on the other side of it and still talking, I'm almost like, you know what, you need to give me more to talk about because I felt like I got no answers besides what we're about to discuss. What about you? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, underwhelming, you know, it's one thing when a like a true professional fight between real boxers is overhyped and underperforms. It's like, okay, fine. But when it's like these guys, you know, it's like, okay, you, you got us all excited or, you know, interested people shelled out their money or they didn't, but they tuned in and then that's what you did. Okay. Well now, now it's like, how much of my time did you just waste? How many weeks of my time? <laughs> uh, well, let's get right into it then. So obviously, just coming off roughly 24 hours ago from the time we were recording this episode, they were fighting. And uh, Jake Paul essentially routes Tyron Woodley. And the biggest assessment I could give of the fight was just that Jake Paul, even after rehydrating for Woodley, was still not only taller, but noticeably bigger. And I'd say pro- with that, just a little stronger. He he was just a different weight class. You were talking about, uh, I know they're like, well, Woodley wasn't cutting to welterweight. You still felt like you were seeing a welterweight to a middleweight or a middleweight to a very small, light heavyweight. It, there, was just, there was just a noticeable difference. It wasn't just the height. It was very significant mass in favor of Jake. And then with that, I think that what it came down to was that Tyron Woodley very frequently throughout the fight just was too patient. Now, whether that's, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, just he's getting older. He's just, for whatever reason, not pulling the trigger. If it was out of caution because he knows he doesn't want to run into this bigger kid and Jake and give him that opportunity to just run into that hammer of his... uh, that that might be it. I believe it's a combination. But the fact is, there were just many moments throughout that fight where it felt like if Tyron really wanted to put it on, he would probably be able to get to Jake. But instead, he p- played it slower, 
Jake Paul was able to work his range. He had the reach. He used it. Every time he felt like Tyron was getting to him, he tied him up, got the break. And what that led to was just a very, very slow fight. Um, wasn't the action-packed one. Wasn't the blitzing we thought we'd see from either guy. And then, of course, the moment of the fight came. I believe it was the fourth round. Tyron Woodley kind of seems to clip Jake pretty solidly. And Jake has his moment where he's kind of in the middle of the ropes. And it looks like he wasn't going to fall out. But he was certainly, you know, not all set in the ring. And that was kind of the big moment of the fight. What was your assessment of everything? Well, yeah, that was the that was the only moment of the fight. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and um, general assessment, it was a it was boring. It was disappointing. Now, again, I'm not talking about professional boxers or professional MMA fighters. So, why were my expectations like? Why was I expecting anything but disappointment? Well, the hype machine works. Tyron Woodley obviously is a great MMA fighter. Jake Paul trains boxing a lot. So he's not like just standing there with his hands down. You know, he can throw a jab. It doesn't, you know, he doesn't have great footwork or head movement, but like there's effort. So with those two, you know, skill sets combined, you expect something. And at the very least, when you're watching professional fighters, there's, you know, the gladiator spirit, the warrior spirit. And at some point or another, somebody goes berserker and just starts, you know, punching crazy, kicking, going for the kill. I think because we're talking about folks who are at, at an amateur level in boxing. And with all the, the, the spotlight on them, the way it is, like there's just too much ego involved and nobody wants to take that chance to really go for the kill because they don't want to be embarrassed, and, uh, you know, by losing to their opponent. And so what does that leave us with here? You know, Tyron Woodley lands that shot. He was right. Jake Paul was right for the, for the, for the kill there. You know, instead Tyron Woodley spins his fist around, you know, a little bit of show. And it's like, no, man, go in there, finish it. Like you're Tyron Woodley, like juke him and hit him and knock him out like he did to Robbie Lawler. I kept wondering why he wouldn't juke him. <laughs> okay, fine. Jake Paul has this huge size advantage, the reach advantage, like, just be a bully. Get in there. You know, he almost landed an uppercut. It didn't work, but like that could have been something he could have gone back to. Instead, he wanted a clinch. By the fifth round, they were both gassed. It's like, what were you guys training for here? You know, I think they were both so worried about losing that the adrenaline just dumped early and they had nothing left at the end. And then when you have nothing left in a sport where you're not, you know, an expert, like there's not really a whole lot to of instinct for you to rely on to at least sort of look good. Like I think about like Timothy Bradley, who, when you know, fighting Provodnikov was just like, it was just, you know, cerebral instinct with his hands still flying, even though he was like half unconscious. So you don't have that to fall back on because it's not instinctual to these two guys, to Fury, I'm sorry, to Paul and Woodley. So general disappointment. And then the thing with the tattoos at the end and the bickering and the back and forth, like Tyron Woodley is, is a legend in, 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 of his time, right? He did some great things as a champion. He had some good finishes. I just don't even know why he wants a rematch. Like 
dude, just move on with your life. This person is not worth more of your energy. But okay, you know, what is Tyron Woodley trying to do at this point with his career? Does he want to segue into boxing for real or does he just want to shut this guy up and move on with his life? I don't know. You know what? So my biggest assessment that I'll say coming out of it and something that I did not think was true last week. And so I will say, you know, changed my mind. Jake Paul trains a lot of boxing, like you said. I would say, I don't think you can throw someone smaller at him and expect him to beat him. Because I think going into the fight, yes, it, uh, why did I think Tyron Woodley will be different? He's not fighting the best welterweight in the world in Kamaru Usman. He's not fighting top contender. He, look, he lost to the top four guys in the division. Mm-hmm. He's not fighting those guys. He's fighting a guy with four fights, a guy who hasn't been doing it since he was a kid. And you, we got the same uh, result. Now, like I said, part of that could be the age. I believe it was honestly the height and the size. I think that if Tyron Woodley is about five inches taller and maybe about eight pounds more, we're talking about how Jake Paul was asleep on the canvas in the third round. The fact is, Jake Paul, I will give him this credit. I did not think he would be that good at this stage that unless you're talking about maybe a... And if I get the weights off, I'm sorry, guys. I'm an MMA guy, not boxing. But like a Bud Crawford or an Errol Spence, you're probably not going to beat him. He's just too big and tall that, you know, the size deficit, there's a reason it's a real deal. Um, That being said, uh, just like you said, they sold it very well for all those reasons. I thought that um, the production was good. I thought that everyone was just on it from... Helwani to Phoenix Carnivali. You see Caroline Pierce doing her thing ringside. Uh, walkouts were good. I thought that uh, everybody, as a presentation, it was just very well done. Now, like we said, like with the fight, you know, and now let's talk about the aftermath. I felt like in the moment, Tyron Woodley was having his best Marvin Vittori impression. You know, and like, uh, I I know I won that fight and I was like, excuse me, I know they just said split decision, but, um, I think that was more bad judging rather than a sign of, uh, your success, Mr. Woodley. However, what I will say, I think that Woodley was doing what Connor and what Rampage and what a bunch of guys have done. He was just trying to like, hey, look, it doesn't matter, win or lose. You say what you need to say to get the rematch. And like I told Gable Stevenson, secure the bag. I repeat, <laughs> secure. If you have a chance to secure the bag, you secure the bag. You don't start worrying about your ego or titles or belts. You get your butt paid. And I think that's exactly what Tyron tried to do. I think he knew that no matter what, if I get whooped or I whoop him, do some, well, maybe if he got knocked out, he would have kept quiet. But if you're in anywhere near that situation, get Jake Paul to say he wants to fight again. Now, Jake Paul was very smart and realized, don't do that. And I think he flipped the situation with this ridiculous... No one's getting tattooed. Yeah, no. I, I'm sorry. If you believe they're getting tattooed, I'm sorry. But you are probably of Jake Paul's target uh, Generation Z audience. 
Please don't fall for that, kids. I know we got we got carried away in the moment. D don't fall for it. Um, that's what I think about all that. They tried to make a story out of nothing with the tattoo and all that. It was kind of like Jake Paul brought his best high school jokes. You know, <laughs> talked about yes, Tyron Woodley does have very tight shorts. I think that everyone seems to like to comment that on social media about Tyron's physique, right? Mm -hmm. And Jake Paul kind of tried to, you know, what do you say to that when your opponent says he wants to grab your butt because it's big? Natalie? <laughs> no, really. What are you supposed to say to that? Uh, he, that sound that I just made. I think that's what Exactly. Like, what was Tyron going to say to that? The whole tattoo thing, it was just, he kind of came with that level of ammunition that works because of his age and he knows his audience, right? Anyway, um... All that aside, like I said, I, I thought it was a great broadcast. If not good, you know, the action left a lot to be desired. And let's talk about what's next, huh? Um, Tommy Fury. I'm going to just say bluntly, I saw him. I thought about, look, this is a kid, you know. I'm not saying he's Tyson. Uh, Fury, by the way, not Mike Tyson. But either mm. way, either one. He wasn't going to be either one. I'm sorry. But I, I was like, you know what, this kid, he's going to show you what it really looks like to move and set things up and land clean punches. You are going to see good boxing. And I know Anthony Taylor, not bad in MMA, was coming off like, I think he was on a win streak and was coming off a win in Bellator. But you're talking about a featherweight, a lightweight, taking on a guy, they're fighting at 180 pounds. Let me say that again. Featherweight in MMA is 145. Talking about a guy who probably would be a UFC middleweight. And, and, and what we had, you know, we went four rounds, which, by the way, they made it four because the commission said, we think that this guy might seriously get hurt if you actually go all six or eight. And instead, they go the distance, and I'll just say it, we didn't get a knockdown. There was never a time where I felt like Anthony Taylor was in serious trouble. And so was I, oh my gosh, I, I'm ready to see this killer take on Jake Paul. <laughs> no. And, but here's what I'm going to say. That's why he's perfect. Yeah, of course. He is actually Jake Paul's height. He, uh, I'm be very blunt. I, I am worried that Jake might actually be a little heavier, but I, I digress. Um, he's Jake Paul's, he's more Jake Paul's size. Most importantly, even though he's got a lot of muscles, it doesn't really, it's kind of like Brock Lesnar, sorry, not Brock Lesnar, uh, Tito Ortiz, big guns, small bullets. <laughs> it just didn't seem like he had the kind of knockout power. And quite bluntly, you know that Jake Paul isn't actually looking for someone that could really hurt him. And suddenly Tommy Fury looks like the perfect candidate. It's like reverse psychology. I almost hope that he leans into it and says, I meant to look bad fighting Anthony Taylor. That way Jake Paul would feel safer about fighting me. I hope he lies and tells us that. <laughs> you get what I mean? Yeah, that, that would be a smart move was to, you know, under undermine your own talents to secure a fight with someone who likes to pick, um, you know, um, underskilled boxers or strikers i think it's so, a brilliant plan yeah it's a brilliant plan and to jake you know i think like just 
pick on someone your own size, and so at least they're the same height, like Ben Askren, Nate. Well, Nate Robinson was. They're all even, shorter. They've all been yeah, shorter. Yeah, they're short. I was gonna say that guy was, was his basketball player, but he just seemed pretty short and small. He's known uh, for really being the shortest shorter. guy. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Uh, what about Muggsy? No, wasn't he the shortest? He, uh, technically, Muggsy is shorter than Nate. I've, okay. I've, I've, I've Googled that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tyron Woodley, like, I mean, just to go back to it, like he's out there in his classic, you know, sort of like wide leg squat, ready to, you know, take you down stance. It's like, what are you doing, dude? You're fighting this really tall dude. It's not like you're fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in MMA where like, okay, that makes sense. You're just fighting in boxing. Like, stand up. The stance was just off, and the footwork, there was none of it. He was just trying one punch at a time, no combinations. Anyway, that's my last thing on Tyron Woodley. But so so back to Jake Paul picking someone his own size. Okay, so at least we have that with Tommy Fury. But does anyone want to see Jake Paul fight after the way the Woodley, um, you know, contest went on Sunday? Like, it was not exciting at all. Do you I'm think people you. are still interested? They will be. If you listen to this, they make it a family affair and Jake mm. Paul fights Tommy on the undercard of Fury Wilder 3 in October. Oh boy. Mic drop. Now I'm wow. going to just say it right now, I love that. Had they both gone first round knockouts, I would have said they're young, they're healthy, stop messing around and get them over there. Let's, let's go bananas. The fact that they both went the distance, I'll be honest, they're not going to do it. I have a hard time seeing a deal will get done because of that, primarily on Jake's side. Tommy's used to this. Jake isn't. Um, the problem with getting uh, Jake and Tommy on a Tyson Fury card, Tyson has his deal with Top Rank on ESPN. Jake obviously signed the deal exclusive to Showtime. It could work because Deontay Wilder is Showtime, and they're co-promoting that. The trilogy, the same way they did right. for the second one. Let's say, that, you know, Tyson wins, beats Wilder in October. Now, they're, before you could probably pull it off because Showtime was involved. Now there's a lot more hurdles for the Fury, you know, to get Tommy and Tyson on the same card with Jake Paul. So I don't think it would happen, but crazier things. I think if they honestly committed to it, I would love it, but... I don't think that, I just don't think the timing is going to work out to get, uh, you know, Fury squared with Jake Paul. Yeah, well, as cool as it would be to have that on the undercard of Fury Wilder 3, only, well, it wouldn't be cool, but, you know, okay, there's there's some drama there. It would there. be cool. Yeah. It would be fine. Okay, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't feel bad about watching it because I'm paying for Tyson Wilder 3. Let's okay. put it that way. Okay. Um. But I kind of, you know, I, I heard or read Jake Paul wants to take some time off, and I'm thinking that's a good idea. Like, we don't need to see you anymore this year. Take some time off. You've been going, you know, for whatever the performances have looked, however they've looked, I believe you that you've been training like a boxer, 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 so, you know, you probably need a break. Uh, yeah, I would like to just not see any Paul action for the rest of the year. I mean, we're not that far away from 2020. Two, so let's give us a break. That's my request. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I think that if they look, if they're feeling young and ready enough to do it in October, I, like I said, I think that could be cool. 
Um, I I saw his tweet that he retired, Jake. I, I take that <laughs> like I take Conor McGregor every time he says yeah. he's retired. But to be fair, if you told me Jake was going to stop boxing tomorrow, I mean, why? Yeah, honestly, you not only went out there and flipped the script, you literally could walk out going on top. What more do you have to prove? You're not about to be, this is not about to be your profession. You're not about to be putting your body through this all year. You literally make money doing something else. <laughs> so in my opinion, it's, you know, if he retires, I wouldn't be surprised. You get to say you beat a Bellator and a UFC and a one championship champion. I mean, just take your bag and take your W and run, man. But for my money, I think Tommy Fury's out there. I threw out a bunch of uh, ideas. Le'Veon Bell, six foot one, two hundred and ten pound football player. Give me someone his size fighting Jake. By the way, Mr. Bell likes to um, likes to box too when he's not killing it in the NFL. Uh, Gegard Mousasi, former light heavyweight, current Bellator champion. You know, not explosive, but he's at least taller. He's got that. Once again, it's about the stature. I think if you're going to sell a Jake Paul pay-per-view, people are not going to pay to see him fight another, you know, past their prime, shorter guy. Literally, he's gotten everyone's money twice. I yeah. think that if you, you need to sell, you, he needs someone who looks the part, can actually stand eye to eye with him, that you feel might actually kick his butt. Not a smaller guy. They need to look the part. They need to be his size. And preferably with a similar experience to Tyron, at least. So that's why Tommy works. That's why Musasi, um, Musasi ironically, probably worse for Jake than uh, Tommy at this stage of his career. But the fact is you want someone like that, plain and simple. So in my opinion, if they're going to do the Jake Paul thing again, that's what we're going to see. So at least if they want money, he could easily pick... Um, like Nate Diaz and it'd be the same oh, it's yeah. the same deal like he's not a welterweight he'd like respectfully Nate should be a back at lightweight so and by the way uh, Jake Paul's list all this Gervonta uh he named another guy but like there were a bunch of them like okay Kamaru Diaz uh Tank Davis they're all shorter and lighter than yeah, him yeah they're all smaller than him Enough. No, stop thinking you could. They didn't talk about it enough. We're talking about it now. No more of that. We're on to it. Yep. That hey, that works when you're four and zero on the prelims, not four and zero in pay per view main events. Yeah, exactly. Just literally pick someone your own size in your own weight class. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, that was fun. Um, I, I will say those LED shorts. Oh god. He's on to something. <laughs> I thought he would offer like I was like, is I can offer him extra protection on the around the abdomen, you know? <laughs> I thought, hey, if I'm him, I'm selling sponsors on that thing all night. He should have, yeah. Freaking Joe's Pizza, Sally sandwiches, <laughs> freaking hey, you know, I'm out of sh- space on the shorts, no problem. <laughs> twenty <laughs> grand twenty grand <laughs> twenty grand, it'll come on the ticker like ESPN. <laughs> oh my god, it's funny. <laughs> I'm just saying, could work. 
Um, UFC actually had a pretty decent card on Saturday. Um, starting off with that main event, Giga Chikadze goes three rounds with Edson Barbosa. It didn't bring the level of violence. I will say you had to appreciate just a very technical battle. Um, one of the things that really impressed me was the patience from Giga. I felt like Edson was more active and actually outworking him a bit in terms of volume and just activity. And it just seemed like Giga had no problem. It felt like Giga was seeing shots that Edson wasn't. And if I'm going to put it bluntly, and this is not a smart strategy, let's say if you're Tyron Woodley down the stretch, I felt like Giga knew he was going to get that finish. And that's why he had the kind of body language he did in a, you know, it wasn't a blowout, but I would still say it was a very competitive fight when he got him in the third. What about you? Yeah, it was. I thought, you know, Barbosa looked fine. He didn't look as fast or um, as strong as, well, not physically, like his physique is still, he's still all cut, but like his his punches, his kicks didn't have as much impact. I guess the kicks still did. But mostly I, I'm, I was thinking about Giga and like how it wasn't like an onslaught, but when he decided to throw combinations, as soon as he started a combination, it was like blitz. Was super fast and super hard. Like you could hear the impact, like slapping meat, raw meat, you know? So it was just, a, you know, same weight class, but complete, complete power differential. And it just took, you know, by the time we got to the third round to land the right shot and the right, right shots and the right combination to, to finish Edson. So I was impressed with Giga. He's a little, he's a little scary, a little intimidating. I got to say. I like his style. Like, like his actual like if you see him he had like he matched these awesome kicks to a colorful shirt i think that um look english is not his first language but he just has that swag to him um i'm gonna say this uh, from what i've heard uh it um zabit is retired which um once again I, I know he was struggling a lot with the health and everything so I loved watching Zabit, and so I wish him the best, and it's really unfortunate that we didn't really get to see him fight a lot of those guys that we were so excited to see. And I bring this up because I do think right now there's now a void that's kind of perfect for Giga to now kind of sneak his way into that picture. And I know that we're committed to Max versus Yair. I think it's November. I think it's the week after the MSG card that we'll get into. But I think that Giga versus Yair Rodriguez would be killer. I think that um, Giga Korean Zombie, Giga Calvin Cater. Um, I think all those fights work for him. I know. I think Dan Ige is right around his spot in the rankings right now too. But um. Personally speaking, just for the run he's on, I would love to see Giga versus the Zombie next. I don't know when Korean I don't think Korean Zombie is scheduled right now. But um, I think someone like that would be perfect. And you get by the Zombie, then we talk about, you know, the loser of Alex and Brian and the loser of Yair and Max and all that other stuff. What about you? I like Zombie. Uh, I like Calvin Cater. It's weird thinking about Giga and that, like, fighting those guys because he seems so much bigger than them. When I just picture him that I just saw fresh in my head versus, you know, Calvin Cater, um, 
zombie Yair Rodriguez especially seems very slight by comparison. So it's just like, it's just, he's someone to watch out for, for sure. Obviously it's not like breaking news that he is, but he's just all like packed muscle. Now Edson is too, but I think even though they're kind of actually, I think they're close in age, aren't they? They're both like in their thirties. I can't remember now. Oh yeah, um, I think Edson's had a Barbosa. long career outside UFC. Is his yeah, thing. but I, it, he doesn't seem worn out. He seems very fresh. Whereas Edson, to me, on Saturday seemed like he just didn't have that pop, that spark anymore. Um, you know that those spectacular highlight reel finishes. I think those are in the rearview mirror for him, and and that's just how he looked to me. So even though they're both in their thirties, Giga's definitely the hot ticket right now, and so. All of those guys would be in for a night if they had to. Any of those guys would be in for a night if they had to face him. I mean, going into it from there, the undercard, there was obviously a lot going on. You had Daniel Rodriguez beat Kevin Lee. Um, The tough, it it was the tough finale. And I think that um, because of the way they brought it out I don't think that it maybe got all the love that it you know that it should have gotten but you now have two new ultimate fighter winners you had Brian Battle for the middleweights and then you have Ricky Tercios for the bantamweights if I'm not mistaken they should both be team Volkanovskis and then um you know they had the thing obviously a uh, Gilbert Urbina replaced Tracion Gore who is the only finalist from team Ortega and the whole thing about tough, Natalie, everyone talked about Brian Ortega's team just started killing it um, to open the season. And as I understand it, Volkanovski's team just kind of ran away with it late in the season. So it just goes to show it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So <laughs> congrats to the Ultimate Fighter winners. And then I can't end the conversation without talking about it. Razak Al-Hassan. Kind of sends, you know, Dicharico to the shadow realm with that uh, head kick knockout. What were your thoughts? Oh, Lord, that's that's frightening. When someone just, you know, and um, I did Chirico, I, I can't remember his name. Um, he kind of was going, I don't know if he was going to go in for a takedown or if he was ducking. So he like, you know, there was the two forces meeting each other, the shin and the, and the forehead coming down into it. I, that made it so much worse. He just he just flopped to the side there, and it was over. And uh, those are hard, man. Those are <laughs> exciting, but also tough to watch. Oof. People say they like the walk-off KO, like old Mark Hunt just yeah, drops yeah. you and then just keeps walking. I kind of like the way Al-Hassan, he did the stand-over-his-victim knockout. Like he dropped him, and then he still flexed, looking at him asleep on the canvas like, that's just gangster. That's cold. That's yes. Cold. <laughs> like, you know, like admiring the violence. It's like, yeah. whoa. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, by the way, a funny thing about it, you remember DeCherico in January, he head kicked knocked that knockout. Um, God, I'm messing it up. Ah. Oh, I'm blanking on him. He had the knockout of the year. Uh, he had the switch kick on Impa Kasang and I. Oh, that, oh, okay. Why am I blanking on it? I can't believe this is happening to me right now. I've been listening to Jake Paul all day. What's his name? Uh, I don't know. I'm, try, I'm trying to search it, but I 
I'm gonna feel very uh, Joaquin Buckley. Oh, there yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. He so Joaquin Buckley with the head kick KO of the year. He gets head kick KO'd by DiCherico, and now Al Hassan head kick, head kick knock as DiCherico in devastating fashion. It's like this curse of the head kick going around at middleweight. I'm kind of yeah. worried for Mr. Al Hassan, if I'm being quite honest with you. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, sorry for that brief intermission, but it's like, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. But yeah, just a very interesting thing about that. Uh, Final note before we talk about the chatter around town. Uh, My dude, Ricky Tercios. Did you listen to some of his post-fight interviews? No, I didn't. Oh my gosh, go back and watch it. Like, he did one before the fight with Brett Okamoto. And Brett's asking him just like a standard, like, you know... Like, what does it mean to you to be here in the final? And he just takes, like, this pause. And then he gives, like, this really good answer. Like, he's thinking about it. And it was just very entertaining. Very, um... You know what? He just seems like a very chill dude. Um, I I could tell why they picked him for Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Him and Brady, that was very... I know it's hard to say anybody is... Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner, but they did bring it against each other. And I was like, look, you know, for, I think, being less heralded, for being season 29 and not season 1, they brought it for their tough finale. So I just appreciated that fight. Right on. Um, Moving on. So it was just a weird just end of the week. So... Let's talk about it. Friday had a really crazy one because you had LFA, Invicta, and PFL, and they were all running on different networks, all running against each other. And so talk about it. Invicta had their first pay-per-view. They were, I guess, sorry, not the first one, but it's been a long time since they did it. They had their pay-per-view event. Did it even register to you on Friday night that there was something like that going on, Natalie? No, I forgot about it. I was listening to the Wednesday episode of the MA Hour, um, actually on Friday, I think, Friday and Saturday. Um, so I heard the Misha Tate interview and about how she was going to, you know, do commentary. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And like, it didn't even like register with me like, oh, that's, that's happened already. Or, you know, it's about to happen. <laughs> so nope, just blew by. You know what? They were up against such a tough week. I mean, you had Jake and Tyron, you had UFC, you had PFL, and and I'll say respectfully, it wasn't the Kayla Harrison PFL event, right? It was, you know, respectfully, probably one of the more overlooked ones by the time we got to the end of it. Um, One of the things I found very just crazy, and I get it, they kind of wanted to strike while the iron is hot, but you had Emily Ducote with that vicious head kick KO of her, you know, Mm -hmm. to win the title. Yeah, And they posted it. And I'm like, respectfully, that's why you don't, if it's on pay-per-view, that's why you don't post it. You want people to have bought it. But uh, So I can't, all this to say that uh, they were up against it. And we talked about how it was already going to be an uphill battle. I can't imagine their numbers were fantastic. I'm really curious to see how they handle it going forward. Because all I could think of was they probably aren't going to try to run that again. And we had questioned, why did they try it the first time, you know? Oh, we sure did. And yeah, with UFC, you think about when the pay-per-view's over and if you tune into the after show, like, or ESPR Sports Center or whatever, when they recap, 
they always stop the footage right before the big finish or they just show you photographs and it's like, ah, oh, I want to see the video again. But yeah, you do it for a reason, right? So it's such a good knockout that maybe they figured the attention is is more important than someone coming after the fact to buy the pay-per-view. That's the only thing I can figure. Yeah, me too. And I said this before is that even if you get, uh, I'm not saying they were looking to break the bank, but even if they get just like a 10 or 15% increase one week, was that enough for them to justify doing a pay-per-view? I don't know. I, I'm imagining probably, but I am curious to see what in the end was their bottom line on it. And I know they, we may not get that answer, but that's the only thing I can imagine on that one. Um, we touched on it. Saturday was the finale of The Ultimate Fighter. Was it adequately promoted as such, in your opinion? No, I had no idea. I was like, I turned on the, the fights and it was like two dudes wearing tough shorts. And I, I was like, oh, the, fin- oh, the, fin- <laughs> the finale. This must be the finale. Look, I want to confess to you. I did not watch this season of Tough. I watched, I've watched a lot of them. And I did tune in or I did check out, try to check out the first episode because Dana White kept promising up and down that the new tough was going to be different and better than ever. And I'm thinking, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. How are they going to mix this up? It was the same darn show. They still make them wear the, the silly jerseys that say tough on it. The interviews, the, you know, the confessionals, all the same. They show them walking to the house. They go pick their rooms. Like nothing changed. They pick teams the same way. It, that was kind of like, okay, I, you know, when you have a lot of shows you want to watch and you got to cut something somewhere, that one got cut, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that um, for me, and I always knew they were up against it running on ESPN+. Plus. I really wish they would have, you know, I, I see so many of the UFC Unleashed or like Ultimate Knockouts on ESPN on the TV Guide. Yeah. I really wish they just had fitted into one of those. I think there's plenty of time slots. Yeah. Yeah. um, What I will say was a missed opportunity is like last week during Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum, I would have really just gone in and just promote next week as that finale of the Ultimate Fighter, do teasers, do all this, make you feel like, oh, I should go back and figure out what happened and catch up to it. I felt like there wasn't enough of that. I felt like, you know, they just kind of would show the card. I think there was just missed opportunities to get people like, hey, if you haven't watched this season, this is what you've been missing. Go back and check it out and kind of be familiar with the finalists at least. So the fact that they didn't, I think that that was my one big thing is that, okay, either you watched tough or you didn't, you know, and we know how people felt, you know, Brian and Alex, we had different expectations for the coaches. They ended up not liking each other even more, which, well, maybe it worked. But the fact is, I just feel like there were missed opportunities to get people to like, hey, uh, like, if you haven't been watching, this is what you're missing, you know, be ready for it. So, because I think like, look, Ricky and all of them, I think that they would have been very... I think they would have benefited so much from having some stuff come up during the weeks leading up to it. You know what I mean? Or at least these last two events that since the finale has aired, I believe. I think there's been at least, there's at least one, maybe two. Because I think that, you know, 
it didn't the final episode didn't air Tuesday and then they had finale Saturday. It's been about two weeks. Yeah, it's bizarre. Like what do they it's like they, they pretended to have interest in reviving the, the show, but then just what, they didn't think it was worth reminding everybody that the finale was coming up. It's strange, especially not you know, at the very least, you get to put the picture of, of Volkanovski and Ortega up on the screen, you know, the lower third or whatever. Like, that's an opportunity to remind people these guys are going to fight soon, too. Uh, it's strange. Very strange. Don't know what they're thinking there. Yeah. Uh, moving on, on, uh, well, technically also on Friday. So PFL is in their, it was their last playoff. Now they're set for the October 27th finale for all the championships. And they're preempted by high school football. And so if you tuned in to, actually either of them, it didn't start um, on ESPN Plus either, but if you tuned in on ESPN 2, like at the time that PFL is supposed to start, high school football is still in their third quarter. Yep. So it's about 45, (laughs) 50 minutes. Um, and, And mind you, for fans who don't know this, let's say you have all first round knockouts on the prelims they break the card up on purpose so that people know when to tune in. So, like, let's say you had randomly, like, five fights all end under a minute. It's not... You're not going to get... You're still going to have the main event happen at about the same time as usual. Why? Because they don't want people to be like, oh, well, the fight starts here, so I know i got to get here. And then, the, you know, you have, let's say, in this case, Jake Paul fighting Tyron Woodley at... 7 p.m. No, they break it up on purpose. So the fact that, you know, PFL, the prelims get done, and now they have an extra hour on that, that was very, you know, fans had some feelings about that. And because, you know, Invicta was on pay-per-view, and, you know, you're switching from ESPN on your TV to Fight Pass on an app or your computer, people had some feelings. But the real kicker, Natalie, so the first uh, match when they get finally on the air close to an hour later, Cesar Ferreira against Martin Hamlet. Cesar goes in, throws a kick, I believe it was with his left leg, immediately falls back, clutches his right hamstring, ref calls it off 15 seconds in. And so it led to this controversy. People were like, well, was, did he get cold because of, he had to wait and warm up and cool off and warm up again? Chris Camozzi, who fought Ferreira earlier in the season and who was on the undercard, said he saw Ferreira with a bruised leg at the weigh-ins and said, this guy for sure took a dive. He was just looking to collect his paycheck. He knew he wasn't going to be able to fight. Martin Hamlet gets to go on, by the way, to the million-dollar final. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, like, initially, if I just hear the story like you're telling me, I think, well, Chris Camozzi, maybe, you know, maybe you thought you saw a bruise or, like, let's see some photographic evidence. You know, was there really a bruise? But if you just watch the, the clip of the moment where it happens, it's pretty obvious that's fake. The way he's exp- the expression on his face, <laughs> the pain... Now, I'm sure there was some pain because he did throw the kick. Um, it seemed pretty phony to me when I saw it. Like, he's, like, opening his mouth, like, ah, you know. Um, I think Mr. Kavosi is right. I think he took a dive. It's so bizarre. It made me think of the um, the guy on the Triller card when 
Oh, when, yeah. Uh, he, but, he, he, you know, got that guy that said the... he got kicked in the groin yeah. and then his girlfriend's up at the ring. Oh, my God. That guy. I think the guy who beat him got beat by Montana Love on Saturday, no? Or on oh, Sunday? wow. I don't remember. I think I he might I, be. I, that. I have to double check. I think you, the guy, you know, uh, it all comes around, right? Mm, you know what? Kamozi, look, I think it was him and Pereira neck and neck for a spot in the semis. So part of me was like, okay, for sure, or are you just salty? And then I was like, They'll never admit it, but I think he... I feel so bad, because I don't know Ferreira's financial situation. I, I mean, imagine if you it's that bad that it's like, I shouldn't fight, but half the money is better than no money, and I need it. Yeah. So if he was in a position that he had to do that, I just feel bad. I feel bad for everybody. You lose like that, or your situation was that bad, you had to do that. That's yeah. just how I feel about it. That's all I could say. Okay. Um, Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, December 11th. Um, all I will say about that is that I am interested who they put to help them out. Because that should be the last pay-per-view of the year. We're still stuck. Is it going to be Poirier and Oliveira? Are they going to try to do Nganu versus Gone? Um, but yeah, I, I will say that after they announced the full, um, MSG card earlier, which we'll talk about right now, I'm not surprised that they put Amanda on December. I felt like that was always going to happen. Um, yeah, I guess I, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't, I hadn't thought ahead of that, uh, that far ahead. So, um, it's just, they had to put them somewhere, right? So yeah, okay. It makes sense. It was always going to be either Amanda is in no, um, Whoever didn't get November was going to get December between Amanda and Rose. They were never going to double them up, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in this more than I was the original original booking because Pena was a little salty about the whole COVID thing. And so maybe this will bring out a little more ferocity in her. Not that she's she's short on ferocity. That's probably her strongest asset. Uh, But it should be interesting uh, with that in mind and maybe some, you know, press conference or interviews or whatever you know we'll get to we'll get to hear a little trash talk which you don't usually see with someone who's fighting Nunes so it could be a little more fun in that I, regard I think she's trying to embrace her inner Colby and Chelsea Sonnen she's just yeah. trying to have a full pro wrestling heel turn and just say all this stuff and yeah with hope, the sunglasses and everything yeah. and, and hope for the best that she pulls off Rocky versus Apollo you know mm-hmm <laughs> uh, final note uh, Stipe Miocic former heavyweight champion says he plans to meet with the UFC says essentially he felt slighted said even if I wouldn't have taken the interim title fight against you know Lewis like the fact that he wasn't offered felt like something like that and he said look he just wants to meet with the UFC and talk about you know what what they're going to do with him and said that uh, what he would like is a rematch. You know, he feels like he's earned it, earned a trilogy with Nganu. Uh, the question, given the situation at heavyweight, what are your thoughts on Stipe's grievance in the big picture? I guess I, I hadn't actually thought about him when they booked that interim fight. I just thought it was crazy that they were doing it, period. But I never once thought, oh, why didn't they ask Stipe to fight Derek instead of Cyril? So, you know, 
I, if I have to, to force an answer now, I think maybe the UFC thought like it wouldn't be interesting, but that doesn't make sense. Maybe they didn't want to like slight him. Like maybe they thought he would be offended by an offer, but it turns out he would have rather been asked whether his answer was yes or no. It's not that big of a deal because he wouldn't have taken it, but yeah. Okay. I guess it just makes him feel like, am I valued? Am I still valued? Am, you know, I'm the most winningest heavyweight champion you've ever had. Like he should be the first person they talk to. He's right. To me, I think that, um, Stipe has always been such an interesting guy. I think he has the same kind of issue that Demetrius had a little bit in that, for example, there was a time I felt like he was kind of like, look, you know, like I'm still just like anybody else. I'm heavyweight champion, but at the end of the day, I'm a firefighter kind of deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and look, maybe it was just the way he expressed himself in interviews and that wasn't always fully the case. But I feel like he just kind of felt to kind of get over on the fans the way that, let's say, an Adesanya has or... Some other guys have in the past, you know, there's tears to it, right? There's Connor and then there's just levels of popularity under him. And, you know, some people they could draw solo. Some people need to be matched up with the right guy, right? That's how it works. I felt like Stipe, you know, with DC and everything, I think that DC carried over enough on his side that those fights were bigger. When I look at Stipe... I think the biggest thing is, I get it, you are all those things and you have all the accolades. However, I think most people would tell you those big fights, coming off the way you lost to Nganu, those just aren't on a lot of people's priority. Like, yes, Stipe has all that, but if you're telling me the John Jones fight is on the table for Nganu, that's going to be the next one. You lose like that and then Derek Lewis is coming off you know, Masvidal and Curtis Blades, you know you want to see him versus Nganu. And now look, Cyril Gunn, you know, maybe there's a case there that Stipe is still, you know, more decorated and deserves it over a guy like Gunn. But the fact is, it's about on the pendulum who's on the up and the downswing. And I think that Stipe, on the, because the loss to Nganu was so decisive, I think you do feel like you want to see that he's, still the second best guy in the division and then see if he could take that crown back because I think that one of the other things about the trilogy with DC is the way those fights were playing out they were so back and forth DC looked like he was 10 minutes away from routing Stipe again yeah it's a bit of apples to oranges but look I certainly get it in most other divisions like Jose Aldo Conor McGregor we're not even talking about it. There's an immediate rematch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on at heavyweight right now with names like Nganu and Jones and Lewis and Gon that he kind of does need to get back in the fire to show that he has still got everything to be the last man standing. And by the way, I said that comment completely not thinking about the firefighter pun. <laughs> I swear I put that on everything. I, I, it came out of my mouth and I was like, I didn't even mean to put it like that, but it worked. Uh, it worked. It worked. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And finally, before we break down Darren Till and uh, Derek Brunson, they announced UFC 268. They confirmed that it's Madison Square Garden. Barring, you know, another uh, copocalypse, I'll call it. 
or Covocalypse, <laughs> you know, to say it probably more correctly, it's going to be in New York City. Now, confirmed the Rose Namajunas rematch against uh, Zhang Wei Li. They did get pen to paper for Gaethje and Chandler. I know people were worried about Chandler and, you know, does New York allow it? We, I think, uh, I'm not going to get into it, but his, uh, you know, he said oh, he's not, thing. yeah, he's yeah. not getting vaxxed. Could that affect his ability to get on it? He's on paper to be on the card. Then, of course, Sean Strickland, Luke Rockhold. New fights they announced. Jermaine Durandamy, Irene Aldana. Mm -hmm. Frank Yedger against Chito Vera. And the return of Ally Akinta against Bobby Green. Topped off by the rematch with Kamaru and Colby. Is this now the most stacked card of the year? And by comparison, we also have the UFC 266 lineup coming up next month. The triple header, Alex and Brian and Valentina Lauren with Nick Diaz and them. So I'm not going to lie. It's got some competition. But it, yeah, I like it. I think it's definitely more stacked than 266. Even though like... You know, Valentina, of course, that's amazing. That's like a guaranteed win. And so in that regard, it's like, okay, it's exciting, but not like suspenseful. Uh, Nate Diaz, Robbie Lawler, or Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. Okay, that's amazing. That could be its own headliner on a, on a pay-per-view. It could be, but on a, you know, regular fight night. Uh, but this 268 is, is killer. Like Nami Yuna Zhang, you already know it's going to be either a war or like a blitz knockout. Gaethje Chandler, come on. Strickland, he's great. Rockhold, what's he going to look like? So there's the intrigue. Durandami, Aldana, like this is going to be a striker's, a striker's uh, battle. That's awesome. Frankie Edgar, can he? Does he still have something against a surging, super confident Chito Vera? Also amazing. And Ally Quinta against anyone. I want to see him back just because he's so much fun. You know well, what? Well, and Usman Covington, right? I mean, jeez. <laughs> I mean, to me... I think that the fights on paper, not only uh, there, a bunch of them more, I think are expected to be more competitive. Most importantly, I feel like more of the fights are relevant to the title picture. I think that when you talk about Gaethje Chandler, you're talking about probably the backup, if not just the straight up next title challenger after Dustin and Charles, like just plain and simple. Um, Sean Strickland, he beats Luke Rockhold. Is he sneaking into that conversation with, you know, Darren Till, Derek Brunson, Jared Cannonier? Quite possibly. Jermaine Durandami and Ren Aldana. That's a Bantamweight title eliminator. Let's just say it like it is. And like, you know, Misha take Kellen Vieira. I'm sorry, but Jermaine and Irena, that's the one who's going to be next. You know? So mm -hmm. uh, personally, I like the card in that way. I'm aware that when you have a Diaz brother and you have all this with Diaz, you know, there's just like a, just like that savage caveman appeal to Nick versus Robbie coming up. And then, um, yes, you're seeing high level MMA with Valentina against Lauren and certainly Volkanovsky against Brian. But man, this MSG card, I, th I think it takes the cake right now. Personally, I think the only one that competes with it was the uh, Jacksonville card with the three titles. And even then, I feel like on paper going in, these just feel like closer, more competitive fights on paper. So Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm just excited for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
depending on the prelims, you never know who you might get next. Uh. <laughs> um, moving on, it just leaves the last thing to talk about is the return of the new face of the UK in the UFC, Darren Till, taking on surging contender Derek Brunson. So to set the stage, Derek, four-fight win streak, coming off the win over Kevin Holland and Edmund Shabazian last year. Darren Till, you remember late 2019, he beats Kelvin Gastelum, who was coming off the fight of the year against Adesanya. He, so he shocks Kelvin in that fight. Then he kind of gets that title eliminator against Rob Whitaker, loses the decision, gets injured. Now this is his first time back in nearly a year. Um, I think for me the biggest thing about this is that I feel such a level of just support from the UFC for Darren Till. Like they were going to put this... I, I want to say they reported it for August and they didn't even talk about it. They just moved it to September. The whole card with Darren Till and everybody because the fact is they just wanted to bring Darren back to London and just break ground again since COVID in London with Darren. Yeah. I just keep feeling like Every, like the company just seems to want to see him get that title and I, someone I think it was an MMA junkie guy posted it that the UK in terms of English speaking countries is like the biggest um, in Europe for um, for UFC on their ratings or I think it might even I have to remember what they said it, either it's something like they're the first in Europe or like they're the second behind the United States but the fact is, the market in the UK is huge for the UFC. So I feel like all of that is like, they just want Darren Till in a title fight. And he's got the back and forth with Adesanya. So all of that is like, okay, if Darren Till wins and Adesanya wins, this is going to happen. No brainer. But then you got Derek Brunson, and he's fought everybody. And you kind of feel like this is his kind of run where it's like, if it's he's 37 years old it feels like if not now it's you know it's now or never for him to have that breakthrough for a title fight so i i do think that this is a very interesting position for both of them what about you it definitely is it's you know we want to see darren till back the ufc obviously wants the you know we've, we've been talking about it the, the the big british name this guy's got a lot of spunk a <laughs> big mouth posts crazy stuff on instagram he can have exciting performances. Derek Brunson has always been the sometimes, you know, the UFC is kind of like, you know, they use them when they need them, but they're not dying to have them. But sometimes he gives you great performances. Sometimes he just grinds out with his wrestling and it can get a little bit, you know, underwhelming. Um, but this is a very important fight for both of them. So I wonder if Derek Brunson is going to do whatever it takes to win, which would mean probably grinding it out against the cage or if he's going to do whatever it takes to make a big, big impression, make a big splash, get a bonus, in which case we could see one of those winging, you know, overhand crazy knockout punches. Um, so, so I'm almost more interested to see in Derek Brunson's strategy game plan than Darren Till's. But the pressure's on Till, too, because he, he cannot, you know, he must be aware of what the UFC is hoping to turn him into. That's a lot of pressure. And so this is uh, like super high stakes apart from, you know, we can't ignore the, the, you know, the title opportunities after that. 
Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> it was like one of those where you can just say no pressure guys, but actually all the pressure in the world. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. To me, what it's going to come down to is the, um, just that ability to stay on the feet and maintain the distance. For a guy who just has that physicality, and I'll say for his personality, I'm actually sometimes surprised just how much Dan Till likes to be a technician and try to get in and out. Like, he's very big, you feel like he's very strong, but he almost fights a bit of like that Henry Cejudo, Pitbull Freire stance sometimes, and just tries to kind of dart in and dart out, and mm -hmm. if he could kind of overwhelm you, then he starts to get more loose and use his physicality. Derek Brunson has always been heavy-handed. What I will say, what I think it's going to come down to is his durability. Because I think that if he's going to either, one, hang with Till on the feet, or two, get him down, he's probably going to eat some shots going in and getting those consistent takedowns. Does he have the ability to keep Darren down? I'm going to say yeah. What I don't know is, is he going to be able to keep him there for all of the rounds? I think that if it gets into a long, grueling fight, is he going to be able to avoid Darren Till coming at him? Now, I think the later it goes, favors Derek. I think that the early rounds are going to favor Till because of obviously being fresher and more explosive. But secondly, it's going to really come down to Darren Till's takedown defense. I think that on the feet, you know, you probably have the tools. It's a pretty close fight. Give the edge to Darren. But when you talk about the takedowns, Darren Till, good... I don't know if he's lights out enough to stop Derek the whole time, and I think that's going to be the key. He could do it, but I think that that's going to be the real twist to it because I think that at the end of the day, that's going to be Derek Brunson's biggest weapon if he can't light up Till with the, that power. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Darren Till has to be able to defend the takedown because Derek Brunson can just do that all day for five rounds. And so if Derek Till doesn't get his best stuff to make an impact on Derek Brunson early. I think he'll be in trouble. And on that note, I think he'll be in trouble. I think Derek Brunson's going to do whatever it takes to win. And he's going to use his wrestling all the way to the end, to the nth degree. So I'm not looking to see the most exciting fight, but Derek, Derek Brunson for me is going to be the winner by decision. Oh, <sighs> Every time I breathe like this, you know I'm about to disagree with you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just realized, yeah, that's my tell. You know what? Um, I actually think that Darren's ability to get in and out, I think that he's actually, I think he's just going to have the right amount of space between him and Brunson. I think that's what it's just going to be. I think that he's not going to stand in front of him. I think that he's just going to, you know, sprawl and brawl if he has to, but... I feel like Darren Till, I think he might just be bigger and stronger enough than Brunson to really push him. And I think that that's going to hamper Brunson's ability to get the fight to the ground. And then I think on the side of that note, I think that uh, Darren is going to be ready to defend the takedowns. Sorry, not defend the takedowns, but defend against the power. You know, take the onslaught. I'm going to go Darren Till, unanimous decision. Oh, okay, I think it's okay. going to be a tough one, but I think that he's just going to do enough to get to the end of it. And then I predict all we're going to talk about is how 
badly we now need to see Adesanya and Whitaker fight to sort out all this middleweight madness. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> so there we are. Um, guys, that's the end of our show. Natalie, UFC takes another break next week, but we've got the insanity that is Triller Fight Club. You have former light heavyweight champion for the UFC, Vitor Belfort, taking on Oscar De La Hoya. Who would have thought we would be saying something like that? And then in the co-main event, in a boxing match, once again, former champion Tito Ortiz taking on the GOAT, Anderson Silva. I mean, I don't even know how to feel about this. All I know is I do want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, look, this is all you need to know. Oscar Del Hoy is fighting. Anderson Silva is fighting. Like, I'm there. That's it. Period. There we have it. Guys, we'll be talking about all of that. We'll be breaking down all the action from the past week. Until then, take care. Have a good one. We'll be back.